Reading for today is from Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 8. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true worship do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will for by the grace given me i say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of god with the faith god has distributed to each of you for just as each of us has one body and many members and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we the many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us if your gift is prophesying then prophesy in accordance with your faith if it is serving then serve if it is teaching then teach if it is to encourage then give encouragement if it is giving then give generously if it is to lead do it diligently if it is to show mercy do it cheerfully this is the word of god i'm going to uh, pray for linda uh, for three years linda has served as assistant minister here in cambourne uh, given so much to us so generously your time there you are where were you um so i'm going to pray let's pray for linda uh father god as linda teaches us this morning may we hear something from you would you speak to our hearts uh would you encourage us and uh, we do want to honor linda this morning for the last time of speaking here before moving on to new things thank you so much for her thank you for all that she has brought to us in this place Amen. Amen. So good morning everybody. Is anybody there? Oh, thank goodness for that. It suddenly went quiet. <laughs> so what I'd like to do this morning is um round off the series that we've been doing over the last 4 weeks. Um and some of you probably seen this picture. Um it's on small cards postcards and there's slightly larger versions which are over on the trolley there so if you haven't picked one up over the last uh, few weeks um, and you'd like to have one and take it away with you as a reminder of the teaching series that we've been looking at this month then please do so we've been exploring the topic of gifts and ministry in God's church and we've been trying to understand a bit more about God's purposes for us as his people and how God provides all that's needed for us to fulfill those purposes as we live together in community in his world 
And in our Sunday morning reflections, we've been exploring passages from some of the uh, letters that were sent by the early Christian leaders to the groups of Christians who were still working out for themselves in places like modern-day Turkey and Greece and what we now know as Italy, all parts of the Roman Empire in the first century. They were still working out for themselves what it means to live as a Christian community in their time and place. And that's not so different, actually, from Camborne Church because we've only been here as a church for 15, 16 years. So we're still working out what it means to be a group of Christians from different traditions and no traditions, living together, working together, serving together, trying to be God's people in this place. In the first of our series, Nigel drew on passages from Peter's letter to the early Christian churches to highlight how God the Father calls and forms us in communities to be his chosen people a living body, living stones. Those were some of the pictures that he used. A royal priesthood designed and equipped for ministry in his world. Because being church is all about people rather than about any building or any institution. And then in the second week, Chris drew on Paul's letter to the church in Corinth to explore the wide variety of gifts that God bestows on his people and the role of God's Holy Spirit in that. And then last week, in our third session, Matthew explored extracts from Paul's letter to the churches at Philippi and Colossae, focusing on the humility of Christ, the humility of Jesus, God's only Son, who through his life and his death and his resurrection offers us a model of loving servanthood that should underpin all our ministry as his living body here on earth. So Liz's gift box illustration, which you can see on the slide behind me for this month's teaching series, beautifully captures each of the themes from the previous three weeks. The rainbow crown on the left reminds us of the chosen people and royal priesthood that God calls and equips his people to be. The stars on the right represent the multiplicity of gifts that God gives to his people, each gift of equal importance and each gift contributing in its essential way so that the light of the gospel message of God's love for the world can shine brightly. And then in the middle, you can see the symbol of love and servanthood, the heart, which reminds us that an attitude of loving service is what undergirds and infuses all that we do as we exercise our many gifts in ministry to one another and to the wider world. And as we conclude our reflections this week, I'd like us to consider some practical advice on how we can identify and exercise our own gifts for ministry in God's church and his wider world, and how we might encourage and affirm one another in this process. The extract this morning that we heard, that Matthew read to us, came from another of Paul's letters to the early church, this time to the Christian community in Rome. Now, in that quite long letter, Paul spends much of the early part working through some key theological truths, which are quite heavy going, to be, to be honest. But towards the end, as he so often does in his letters, Paul offers some very practical guidance for his readers and his listeners on what's really important and the way that they should live together. 
So let's have a look at some of the things Paul seems to focus on. In the opening words of that extract, and you may like to have it in front of you on page 1075, Paul stresses that the way Christians live should fundamentally be a response to God's love and mercy. Lives should be shaped and formed not by the standards of the world around them, but rather reshaped and transformed by God's Spirit at work in their hearts and minds. And that's what we've prayed this morning for Harry and Samuel in their lives. So that lives will be dedicated to the service of God and of others. True worship, says Paul, is not about what happens in a church building. It's the offering of the whole of our everyday life to God, not just what happens on a Sunday morning. It's about seeing the whole world as a temple, a temple of a living God. And it's about using our gifts and skills for the common good of all. Paul stresses in his time that the ancient animal sacrifices of the Jewish temple and religion were no longer relevant. Now, he says, we are to be living sacrifices, living lives that are holy, lives that bless other people, lives that make God smile. And in the rest of the short extract that we heard, Paul lays down a few ground rules for how this can be worked out in practice. First of all, he says, it's really important that we know ourselves and that we are honest about who we are and the gifts and the skills that we have. We need to make a fair and honest appraisal of our gifts and skills without conceit or false modesty, but also without underestimating or undervaluing what God has given us. Secondly, Paul urges us to value and use all the gifts that God has given us with gratitude and confidence, rather than regretting the gifts that we don't have, or we're still looking enviously at the gifts of others. God does not smile when we say, oh, but I wish I was like so-and-so. Instead, he says, but why can't you be like you? Why can't you grow up to be the person that I created you to be? That's what's really important. Thirdly, stresses, Paul stresses that all gifts come from God and all gifts are equally valued and should be uh, equally valuable, however apparently minor or insignificant they may seem to us. Some gifts, some ministries are more visible, more upfront, but there are so many that are behind the scenes and yet critical if we are to function as a living sacrifice, as a body of Christ in the world. And fourthly, Paul emphasizes that all the gifts are necessary. If we don't exercise whatever gifts and skills we have, then the body of which we are a part is not going to function as it was designed to do. It will be deprived of essential members. And ministry in God's world and in his church is never going to be what it was meant to be. Every ministry is important. Every ministry is intertwined with all the others. 
because no single ministry can accomplish all that the church is called to do. We need to depend on and cooperate with one another. And like a jigsaw puzzle, every piece is required to complete the picture. And we quickly notice where a piece is missing. I've actually suggested several times recently that we don't have coffee on a Sunday morning when there's nobody on the rotor to do it. Because I think we would notice very quickly the piece that was missing. And maybe that piece is you. And maybe if we all thought that, then we would actually realise that if we all did coffee once a year, it would always be available. It's a challenging thought, but hey, it's my last Sunday, so I can say what I like. And we do struggle with the various key ministries reflected in rotors that we have in this church. As we grow, I think what happens is we think, oh, somebody else will do it. There's so many of us. I have to tell you the reality is very different. And one of the things we can challenge ourselves about this morning is, are we the missing piece in the puzzle? Are you a missing piece in the bigger picture? It's quite a countercultural message in our contemporary society which prizes individualism and independence over the more biblical notions of interdependence and mutuality that Paul seems to be promoting. But remember how Paul speaks in verse 2 of us not conforming to the patterns of this world but being transformed by the renewing of our minds under God's spirit. And in the remaining verses of that section, Paul goes on to offer several different examples of types of ministry, including serving, encouraging, giving. And they're all ministries that I believe we can all exercise in some measure. Some years ago, as part of our own Christian journey, Nigel and I came across a helpful way of thinking about how to discern our own gifts and skills in order to determine the ministries to which God might be calling us. And the underlying principle to the approach is that each person is uniquely designed or shaped by God to do certain things, and that ministry becomes an expression of our shape. Wise stewardship of our lives begins by understanding how God has been shaping us, even since we, before we were born, perhaps even before we came to faith. God would not give each of us inborn abilities, temperaments, talents, spiritual gifts and life experiences, and then not want us to use them. Remember Paul's advice in our passage about knowing ourselves. If we don't recognize and understand our shape, we risk missing or misunderstanding the unique calling that, God's ha- that God has in mind for our lives. And Nigel and I have found this acronym SHAPE quite helpful because it reminds us that God seeks to use our personality, our passions, our life experience as part of his design purposes, as well as the natural skills and the spiritual gifts that he may have given us. 
And we've also found it helpful when talking with others to help them discern their own gifts and to explore forms of ministry to which God might be calling them. So let's take a look briefly at the five elements in turn. S stands for spiritual gifts. And the Bible explains that God makes available to his church a wide range of spiritual gifts to be used in ministry. And Chris spoke helpfully about this a couple of weeks ago, highlighting, I think, a list of more than 25. I actually think there are more than 25. You had at least 25, but there were a few that that I thought of. So it was a good prompt to think about the rich variety, the treasure store that God has for his people. Chris reminded us that we can ask the Holy Spirit for such gifts, and then our role is to go and practice using them. But it's also important, I'd suggest, for us to look out for the spiritual gifts in one another. What have we noticed? How could we encourage and affirm one another to use the spiritual gifts we believe God has given an individual? H stands for heart. And the Bible uses the term heart to represent the center of our motivation, our desires, our interests or inclination. Another word for heart is passion. We know that there are things that we feel passionate about. There are others we feel less strongly about. And that's an expression of our heart. For the heart determines what's interesting us, what will bring us the most satisfaction and fulfillment. The heart motivates us towards commitment and action. What makes your heart sing? is a question I often ask myself and other people. What is it that you're passionate about? So ask yourself, what makes your heart sing? And do you sing that song? The song that God has given you? Or do you sing a different sort of song, a bit half-heartedly? A stands for abilities. These are the natural talents that we are born with, sometimes distinguished from spiritual gifts, but no less important and no less God-given. They tend to be the things that we are naturally good at and that we enjoy. And the Bible is full of examples of artistic skills and talents, musical skills and talents, athletic skills and talents. Everyone has natural talents, although they don't always realize it or value them. Studies show that actually each of us has probably between 500 and 700 different skills. But so often, people don't recognize them in themselves or don't value them or think that they have a contribution to make. So how can we help one another better identify our natural gifts so that we can all benefit from the exercise and celebration of our talents. Perhaps we just need to be a little more observant of one another. Perhaps we just need to insert a quiet, encouraging word every so often in a conversation about something someone has done. Could be a smile, could be a meal, could be a kind word. (coughs) P is for personality. God loves variety and has created us with all sorts of temperaments. 
Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. But we're all important and we're all valuable. And the Bible gives us plenty of proof that God uses all types of personalities. Just look at the range of personalities and the differences among the 12 disciples that Jesus recruited or the leaders of the early church in Acts. I have a sneaking suspicion I wouldn't have got on very well with Paul. But that's okay. He clearly didn't get on very well with one or two other folk in his own time. But we need each other. We need that variety. There's no right or wrong temperament for ministry. We need all kinds of personalities, especially if we're to work collaboratively as a team. And it's helpful to understand our own personality and that of others. And then E stands for experiences. God never wastes an experience, and it can be good to reflect on the life experiences he has given us or allowed us to have. And how these can be used by God as part of our ministry. I know of one church that helps people consider five areas of experience that will help shape and influence the kind of ministry that they are best shaped for. Educational experience, vocational experience of work and employment, spiritual experience relating to their faith journey, ministry experience linked to perhaps previous services in previous churches or contexts, and then that perhaps unexpected type, painful experiences, from which we learn a great deal despite the distress that they can cause. And so often those painful experiences are used by God to help us have a listening ear to others in a similar situation. So, in summary, we're likely to be most effective and fulfilled in ministry as both individuals and as a church when each of us is using our spiritual gifts and our natural abilities in the area of our heart's desire in a way that best expresses our personality and our life experiences. None of us are a carbon copy of another person. We are not created as clones. We are created as unique, gifted individuals, each with a contribution to make in the life of God. And identifying how God has shaped and gifted us in these five areas of spiritual gifts, our heart, abilities, personality, and experiences may be an important way of stepping out into a new area, perhaps a new area of ministry, growing to be more like Christ. And it's so important that we encourage one another in this endeavour. It's something we've done in our house group several times over the last two or three years, perhaps using a tool such as a questionnaire developed by other churches for this purpose. It can be good to be encouraged and affirmed, even challenged, to intentionally discern the gifts that God has given us and the ministries to which he might be calling us. And one of the most moving evenings I've experienced in our own house group was when we went round the room one by one and each person was invited to comment on the gifts and the things that they valued about the person sitting next to them. 
And as we went round the room, it was an unbelievably moving experience to get a sense of the great treasure that was contained within that simple lounge. The many, many gifts that God had given, the many different personalities, the many natural skills as well as spiritual gifts, the breadth of experience, and the different types of passions that people had. All of which people were being encouraged to share and develop by those around them. And you know, maybe one of the things we don't do very well in this church is to actually recognize in one another those gifts and then invite or encourage one another into trying out those gifts or adopting a particular role. Because I'll tell you, emails don't do it. They don't do it for me. Sending out emails to plead for assistance just doesn't do it. So as a challenge, I would ask this question. What are we not getting right at the moment? Which means that there are so many pieces missing in the bigger puzzle. The fourth and final element of Liz's illustration depicts a cluster of snowflakes signifying the uniqueness of our own individual gifts from God which are given to us by him that we may fulfill the calling that he places on our lives as a community to be Jesus' eyes and ears, to be Jesus' hands and feet, to be his mouth and his heart, to be the living body of Christ in God's world. Amen.